Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Kent. And welcome to another edition of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. I'm Doug Keck with my co-host, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, where we feature the viewer phone calls that Mother took and responded to over the years in our popular Tuesday night program, running from the 1980s through the 1990s right up to 2000. Welcome, Father Joseph. Great to be with you again. Hello again, Doug. And our topics for today, we've got a couple of interesting ones. First up is plenary indulgences. There's a question, believe it or not, people always have on that. Family squabbles, that's pretty typical. Penance, a lot of people have questions there. Also something interesting, the power of the scapular. But first up, we're dealing with the concept of grace and plenary indulgences. Mm -hmm. How are they related, Father? Yes, uh, and Mother talks, first of all, about actual graces, which are graces God gives us in the moment when we need them, and uh, also about sanctifying grace. So this is a habitual grace that we have when we're living in a state of grace. And you remember Bishop Dermot Malloy and how he would come here and Absolutely. he would sing his uh, beautiful little songs about Martine, the, mm -hmm. uh, Martin de Porres. And he talked one time about a bumper sticker that he had seen down in Peru where he was a missionary, and it said, smile if you're in a state of grace. <laughs> and he said, you know, that's really true, that if we're living in a state of grace, then we're being changed, we're being transformed. We really can smile right. because there's this new life working in, within us. Right, it's interesting. I know Mother on a line here says, uh, talking about grace, you may want to sock somebody, but you don't. That's grace. <laughs> That's right. That's a gift. Probably something she felt maybe when she was talking to you, Doug. <laughs> probably. Probably. I think she probably took the swing anyway. Uh, <laughs> I've got the bruises to prove it. Yeah. And also, she also talks about plenary indulgences, and she uses an interesting analogy here. She said, we have to understand that the church is like a bank, a big spiritual bank. Mm -hmm. And we really have the ability to withdraw from it, right? Yeah, and I like that analogy, too, that's often given. A little boy playing baseball, he hits the ball through a window, and the window's broken. So he asks for forgiveness, and he's forgiven, but he's got to fix the window. Well, Mother's saying here, well, the church is going to fill in and pay for that window. <laughs> and that's what a plenary indulgence is, is that the debt that is owed, the wound that is still there, is going to be healed and remedied from the treasury of the church, which is the graces available to us because of the merits of Jesus Christ, his blessed mother, and the saints. And it's interesting, too, because mother responds uh, so well, considering many times this is used as a negative uh, concept for the church, right? Right, that, of course, that was a thing of controversy, and yet we should see these things as great gifts. You know, sometimes people will look, too, at the Sunday obligation to attend Mass. Oh, an obligation. Well, we should see it as a gift. We need strength to get through life, to persevere in virtue and holiness. And how often I see that as a priest, the difference of people when they come into Mass and when they leave Mass. There's like new life that's invigorating them. 
Absolutely. Grace and also plenary indulgences. Let's see what Mother had to say. We have another call. Hello? Good evening, Mother. Good evening. What's your question? Uh, Mother, I have actually two questions. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one is, I know about sanctifying grace, but I'd like to know what other graces there are. And also, what is the difference between a plenary and a partial indulgence? Mm. Well, we have two kinds of grace. Actual grace is what I get moment by moment. What does that mean? That means two things. Number one, I have the power given to me by God in this moment to overcome myself, to be better, to change my ways, to stop drinking. That's a power. You know, when the woman touched our Lord's garment, she said, I know if I touch his garment, I shall be healed. And she was. But what happened? Jesus said power went out of him. Oh, wow. Grace, see? Grace left him, touched this woman, and she was healed. Something comes up, and you want to blow your cool. At that moment, the grace is there to be gentle. You may want to sock somebody, but you don't. That's grace. It's a power of God in you, and it is a part of God in you. Grace is not a thing. Grace is a presence, the presence of Jesus. We call that actual grace. Now, if I stay away from mortal sin, then I'm in a state of sanctifying grace, which means now, even though I'm weak or imperfect, and I must confess my venial sins often, I am a state now of possessing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all day, all night. What a grace, huh? What a gift. Grace means gift. So you have the gift of overcoming yourself no matter what happens. If you do it and you keep the commandments and you're trying to be holy, you're in a state of sanctifying. What makes you holy? Every opportunity we get to be like Jesus makes me holy. See? Now, what's a plenary indulgence? We have to understand that the church is like a bank, a big spiritual bank. It doesn't have money in it. It has opportunities, it has grace, it has indulgences, which means some of the pain and suffering that I might have in purgatory is gone out of the gratuity of the heart of Jesus. But it's not totally gone, even for myself. But a plenary indulgence means that I have repented of my sins, number one, and I am sorry for offending God, not because I will have to be punished for it, not because I'm afraid of God, not because I don't want to go to hell, and not because of any other reason, except I offended God. He is my Father. I would take any punishment. I acknowledge I, 
I have sinned, but I'm so sorry because I offended my father. That is a greater need for us than just only to be repentant. We must always be repentant. We must go to confession. But you see, if I loved God so much that I would be willing to suffer anything, and my suffering is not the pain of having to make up for my faults and sins, but the pain I afflicted, I offended such a loving father. That's what would bother me. If I had to do that, that's called plenary indulgence. Why? It means I love God with a pure love. You go straight to heaven on one of those. Think about it while I blow my nose. <laughs> I had somebody write to me not too long ago and said, Mother, I love it when you blow your nose. So I said, well, I hope you enjoy this one. <laughs> and next up, we have a question from somebody dealing with a family squabble, something I would think uh, Father Joseph's mother, Angelica, probably knew quite a bit about. Yes, and really good practical advice that will make an attempt to be reconciled, and one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to say, get out of my life, or that's wonderful. I want to do the same thing. But be at peace with either one. One of them is going to happen. But be ready to accept anything and be at peace. Yeah, I think what my takeaway from listening to Mother's response in this program and in others is the idea that, you know, our Lord is is asking us to take the first step. He's asking us to reach out, to offer, uh, you know, kind of that peaceful gesture. She says, mm -hmm. maybe send him a letter or call him. But also the idea that if he doesn't respond right away, well, you've tried. That's right. So we should be at peace because we made the attempt and it's up to them now to respond or not. But we can be at peace that we've done what we could. And she also talks about, uh, in the story, about greed and how money is such a block. Yeah, and you know, um, there is a, a movie, too, that I like that the Friars, I uh, think, moves a little bit too slow. It's about an Iowa <laughs> man who actually, he had been estranged from his brother for 10 years. They were both dying, and he drives a lawnmower across Iowa to be reconciled. Right. It's a true story. Absolutely. And uh, when they got together, it was a wonderful reconciliation. So that's what we should do, take that first step. Absolutely. It's worth the risk. Family squabble. We have another call. Hello? Mother? Hey. How where, are you tonight? Where are you from, dear? Uh, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Uh-huh. God bless you. I enjoy your show. For the, the brief time I began to see it, I love it very much. Thank you. You're welcome, Mother. Mother, here's my question. Mm -hmm. I'm the youngest of four children. Mm -hmm. I'm not a kid. I'm 44. But I still am <laughs> a kid at heart. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but the, uh, the question I have is that uh, I haven't spoken to my brother in about 15 years. Mm. It was kind of a family breakup when my father had passed away in a big business. Not to sound like the righteous one because we all have sin, but I'm kind of the kind of guy who's discovered Christ at a very young age. Well, for the right reason, I guess, I've always forgi forgiven very easily, and I forgive in a second. Yeah. Anybody and anything. Just about. But with my family, the problems with my brother is that money got in the way. And um, if I may say this, which is a little harsh, but it's a reality in this world that we're living in that I've learned, is that the evil one, 
who's in each one of us, and it's just a matter of who we decide to, to you know, to do a rule with or to go with constantly, which is an everyday battle for all people. Um, he basically is, uh, the greed had overwhelmed him with money. So we haven't really spoken, and I wanted to make the first move to contact him, maybe to send him a letter or call him. Do, does, does he live near you? Uh, no, he lives uh, not far away, about an hour, I would say. And, and he's a lot of money, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, oh. well that was the thing. The, the split was really over the money. Greed grabbed him, and yeah. he felt I was uh, kind of a threat because it was a business altogether. I just went off on my own and did my own thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have families 15 years later. We both have our own worlds. But I can't see leaving this world without making the attempt to well, what uh, I, you know what the I, sword down. Yeah, what I would do is write him a real nice letter. And just say, you know, we, we haven't spoken all this time. And, and I just don't think it's good for us. I don't think it's pleasing to the Lord. And I just want you to know that I would like to forgive and forget. And I pray that you also forgive and forget. And I just wonder if you could come over and, and see us sometime, or maybe me and the family could come over and see you. It's been so many years. No. After that, you're right with God, that you made that attempt. Now, wonder if he doesn't answer at all. Well, that's okay. It's okay for you. It's not okay for him. If he writes and tells you, hey, get out of my life, well, then pray and say a prayer for him right away. Say, dear Jesus, I tried, but he's not ready. But see, it's okay. You wouldn't want it to be okay, but you should be at peace after that. Just be at peace. And if he says, hey, I've been waiting for a letter. I've thought of it myself, but I didn't have the guts. Now that could be wonderful. Go like nothing happened. Give each other a big hug, hug and bring your family there and have a good time. One of these things for sure is going to happen. Be ready to accept anything. If it's negative, say, Jesus, forgive him, and you're okay with God. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us. Mother Angelica answering the call continues. I'm Doug Kecht with Father Joseph Mary Wolf, our chaplain here at EWTN. Next up from Mother is a question not only about penance, but one that comes from a child, Father. Have you heard these before? Yes, um... They're going to get a lot of laughs out of this segment. It's just a mother has a great sense of humor and reality, too, of how a child would be tempted to steal a couple of cookies and then to tell a lie about that as well. And, and yet she's also encouraging parents to have their children have a sense of sin, maybe give them a little bit of a penance when something has gone wrong or they've made a bad choice when they've sinned, and to have a little penance, uh, you know, I saw a T-shirt uh, the, uh, the other day from a, a visitor from Ohio, and it said, Holiness is not for wimps. <laughs> and, that right. was, and it said, Mother Angelica. And so Mother <laughs> says something similar here, too. <laughs> right. 
Well, that's the thing, too, and I thought it was really interesting and funny, as you say. One of our lines in here is about, uh, you know, if you did something, don't deny it and then add, compound the sin, so to speak. She says, you know, you know, don't deny it. Don't don't blame the dog kind of a thing, you know, which is typical of us kids. You know, how did this happen? Oh, I don't know. You know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, you're the only one here. Uh, I don't know. But, yeah, that, that idea you just mentioned for so many of us is to understand there are repercussions. Even though you're forgiven, it doesn't mean there's not the effect of the act. And to some degree, if there's no reparation and there's no, in a sense price to be paid it's easy to not get the lesson Mm -hmm. yeah and back then she's talking about the reality that the environment we live in is not really going to be conducive to children's virtues and that's even more so true today and so children do need to be trained and guided in what is sin what is virtue and to pursue virtue Right, and I think it's an important message for parents to realize that just because the rest of the world is crazy doesn't mean it it lets you off the hook with teaching your children uh, the rights and wrongs of our faith. Let's see what Mother had to say to this young child about penance. We have another call. Hello? Hi. Hey. I'm uh, sorry, I'm a little nervous, but, well, um, what shouldn't you do after penance, and what should you do? Are you asking about my sins or what I do after them? What I do after them. Okay. Are you saying you committed a sin or you did something not nice and you did your penance? Not yet. Oh. (laughs) Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. (laughs) Okay. I'll give you an example. Your mother said, I bake cookies for tomorrow's lunch. Don't take one. And she puts a cover on them. And so you look around and there's nobody around. And you look out the door and your mother's way across the street talking to a neighbor. So you run that kitchen and you take the jar, the cap off, and you take two cookies and you stuff them in your mouth. And you eat and eat and eat and chew and chew and chew. You go like this. Get it down as fast as possible. Take some water. Bingo. There your mother comes in the door. And she walks up to you and she smells cookies. (laughs) Did you have a cookie? Huh? Did you have a cookie? What did you say, Mom? (laughs) You know what I said. She lifts up the jar and there's two big cookies missing. (sighs) She's okay. You took two cookies. Okay, okay, I took two cookies. Now, what happens to you? If you're a good son or daughter, you should say, I'm sorry, Mom. (sighs) Give me a penance. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean to be disobedient. That's what you should do. Now, the thing you should not do is to deny it. Was it me? Was the dog? (laughs) He climbed up the cupboard. He opened the door. He took off the lid, and he ate two cookies. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, Mom, that happened. I saw it myself. (laughs) Now you not only stole two cookies, you lied. Oh, that's not too good, huh? Yeah, see, there's two things you can do after you do something that's wrong. Well, you shouldn't. Now you really hurt your mother because she knows you're lying. So that's what you shouldn't do. If you do, and you got caught, be honest and truthful. 
I did it. I'm sorry. Okay. You can't go out tonight or tomorrow night. That's okay. I deserve it. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? If you not only accepted the fact you deserve the penance you got, that's what you should do. And then, ah, here comes the hard part. No more cookie swiping. That's the last time you're going to do that. Because now you know your mother is offended. Not for the cookies. She's going to give you all you want tomorrow. But because you lied. Or she's very happy over the fact that you told her the truth. And you weren't afraid of the penance. I think some of you parents need to give your young children a little penance, like go and say a Hail Mary before the statue of Our Lady and tell her you're sorry. You see, sometimes our children have no concept of sin. They don't even believe it exists. And in today's world, they do some pretty heavy stuff they shouldn't do. And don't think, oh, my child's only in the third, fourth grade. You watch them there. Some are on drugs already. And you're naive. So you don't live in the world we used to live in. Not be suspicious, no, but you must be prudent and careful. And that's a penance for you parents. You could no longer relax and think your children are safe. They're not. They're not. And sometimes the things they're taught in school, they shouldn't be taught. They say, well, I can't do anything about it. You're just chicken, that's all. You can do something about it. You're a parent. The Holy Father told all parents, you, it's your responsibility to teach your children. Now, I don't want to get in trouble. Well, you're going to get in more trouble if you don't. <laughs> this world is no place for Catholic chickens. <laughs> you got enough grace. One Eucharist is enough to give you grace enough to fight the good fight, define and defend the faith, and protect your children. That's what your obligation is. If not, and if you don't take it in your hands, you're going to be sorry. Then you'll strike your breath, leave, what did I do? What did I do? Well, it's what you didn't do. <coughs> That's not what you did, it's what you didn't do. And closing things out on this program, we have a question about the scapular and the power of the scapular. We don't hear about scapulars as much as we used to, do we, Father? We don't, and I'm not going to give a spoiler here of this story at the beginning. It's quite a remarkable story that's told about the scapular by the caller. And it really is this beautiful devotion. And we think of Our Lady of Fatima, the last apparition. She appeared as Our Lady of Mount Carmel holding the scapular. And so it's an encouragement from Our Lady to wear this and that it will indeed be a, a sign of protection, but also actual bring us protection and her assistance in our particular needs. Right, and also she makes the point, I think, that it's not superstition and it's not scrupulosity, which is a lot of times what the claims can be against it. Yes, and there should always be, and I've enrolled many people in the scapular. Uh, pilgrims that come here, they'll often ask to be enrolled in the scapular, and their scapular is blessed, that there is to be accompanying daily a Marian prayer. So you're wearing this, but you also are trying to live out your devotion to Our Lady right. and invoking her help and wearing this as part of the habit. Right. It's really an outward sign of your inner transformation, and it's a reminder to keep on the straight and narrow. 
The Power of the Scapular. Let's listen. We have another call. Hello? Yes, Mother. Where are you from? I'm from Kansas City. And what is your question? Actually, I have a story and a question. In August of this year, my brother went into a coma, and on the day, the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, we put a brown scapular on him. When he woke up, he, the first thing he said was he saw a black figure and that the Blessed Mother had snatched him and he was to turn his life around. It's been 33 years. My brother finally went to confession and to communion. Wow. And I just wonder why our kids aren't being given this blessed gift from the Blessed Mother, the yeah. scapular. Yeah. It's hardly known. Well, honey, I think the scapular went away of all things like so many devotions, that which is one of the most unfortunate things that ever happened. It's not a scrupulosity. It's not a superstition. It's, it's something our ladies ask for. The scapular is uh, just a tiny little cloth that's been blessed special, and we wear it. Why? It's, it's a protection. And Our Lady has, has put a lot of, of graces and, and gifts along with that, and I don't know why. One day, I think, if that warning ever comes, there won't be enough scapulars in this world. I think you're already going to have to be scared to death again to get them. Now, this rosary, this rosary doesn't seem like much. Really made out of glass. But you know what Our Lady said about this rosary? Every rosary. That the whole world would change if everybody said it. Now, what is it? Tell me, what is this rosary that it should change the world? The whole world. Well, I don't know. It's the life of Jesus, I know. It's a mini-scripture, and, and I pray it every day. I don't need to know why or how it's going to work. If my mother said, say it, I'm going to say it. Isn't that simple? Why do you have to know why? But see, our Lord and our Lady put such, your, your brother got a grace. A big grace. And I'm glad you said it because a lot of people don't know the power of the scapular. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.